0: word pistea, which means to have faith. He that has faith on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death into life. Notice it says is past. It, not, it doesn't say a future sense. It says is past from death unto life. Say that with me is is passed from death unto life. Say it again. Is is passed from death unto life. So see, if we we believe on Him and we trust in the Father, from that moment, you have now passed from death because that's what you were living in. You were living in, in death. Now you've passed into life. So guess what? You have no fear of death. Why? Because as a believer, you don't even die like everybody else. You won't die like everybody else Hallelujah. you will not experience death like, like the world will you just you just come out of your body you come out of your spirit now the de- now the world when they die it can be very painful because when they die without Jesus they see hell and great fear comes up that's why a lot of times people uh, you'll hear about as they die as they're going through the dying stages in their life. They're in great pain and agony, and the doctors are medicating them and medicating. It's not doing any good. Why? Because it's spiritual. It's spiritual. And as soon as you and I get an understanding of that, of the that we're in the spirit. All right, we're not walking after the flesh because if we walk after the flesh, we die. But if we walk after the spirit, life everlasting. Life everlasting. To walk after the after the Spirit is peace, joy, in the Holy Ghost. That's what the Word says: peace and joy. So if you're if there's worry in your life, you're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking in the flesh. Judge yourself. Judge yourself. You won't be judged. That's what the Word says. You know, the first part of judging is realizing you got a problem. I see, I've seen over the years, Christian. I've seen even today. They've got issues in their life and they, they don't even acknowledge they have them. They're just going to pretend like God doesn't notice them. i mean, the, I got news for you. Not only does God notice them, but other believers notice them. It's coming out. They can sense it. Because why? those that are walking in the Spirit, you ever go into a room and somebody's been arguing and it, as you walk in, it stops and you're like, man, I can feel a tension in this room here. It's so thick you could cut it with a knife. Why? Because, see, your spirit's recognizing things. You're picking up on stuff. So he says, um, they, they're passed from death the life. Look at verse 30 here in the same scripture. I can of my own self, this is Jesus again, do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. All right? I can of my own do nothing, but as I hear what? As I hear from heaven. So we can take these couple of verses and put them together, what Jesus is saying. I can do nothing of myself except I see the Father or I hear what Him say. Then I'll act. Then I'll act. Now this will start to sink in here in just a little bit. Stay with me. Don't quit. Let's go here with with another one. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we come to the place where Jesus meets the woman at the well. In verse... uh, Well, we can pick it up here in verse 19. It says, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Because he just read her mail. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. You know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is. In other words, it's happening right now. Right now. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now now just from Jesus' words, if there's true worshipers, what must there be? There must be false ones. I mean, if there's true worship, there must be false worship. What? Right? So, see, you can be in a house of God and it can be full because the world ain't worshiping. Right? The world's not worshiping God. The church is worshiping God or should be worshiping God. So, you can be in a house a God, and people be thinking in their heads, we're worshiping God. But they're not. They're false worshipers. He said, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. (coughs) Isn't that interesting? Who's the Father seeking? He's seeking those that will worship Him in spirit and truth. Truth, obviously... Is is saying what the word says, right? But what about in the spirit? We're worshiping in the spirit. We just kind of gave you in 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 the other chapter in John. Jesus said, "I can do nothing except I hear the Father or I see the Father." What's he doing? He's worshiping the Father. In what? In spirit. In spirit. So Jesus is telling the woman at the well, he said said to her, look, the Father, is. he seeks, he's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and truth. And in other words, they they not only know the word, but they do it. They do it. They do the word of God. They're not false worshipers. They know the word, but they won't do it. They won't let the Spirit change their way. They won't repent. They won't walk in love. They won't judge themselves. But yet they'll come to church and they'll stand up and think they're worshiping God. No, they're false worshipers. They're false false worshipers. I remember a few years ago, well, this has been probably 10 years ago, I was talking to somebody from another church uh, 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 I won't say which one. I won't do that. But they were they were talking about the praise and worship team, and and uh, I don't even know how how or why even it come out. But they were telling me that, yeah, well, you know, we 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 have all kinds of people there. I mean, he said there's uh, there's people in the praise and worship team that, you know, they they do different things. And uh, he said we we've got married couples, we've got uh, couples that are living together, and all, I said on the altar, yeah. you get people that are living in sin leading praise and worship. We're the shepherds in that church. Now, now listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to say here. That doesn't mean when you come into the house of God, God's going God's to correct everything you do. But see, before God promotes you, you better be living right. I understand people come to church to get set free and, that, and, and, and things like that. Yeah, that's what they come here for. But we don't want to promote somebody that's living in sin and put them in a place of authority, especially leading praise and worship when they're not living right. Amen? And I don't think you want that. I don't, I don't think you want your kids exposed to that. You know, we want, we want children having a, having a children's church where the teacher back there is, is not living a godly lifestyle. I don't want somebody teaching my kids or grandkids that are back there and that they've got, a, they've got an attitude problem, and um, if, if one child doesn't listen, they would stomp their feet and maybe, maybe even say a few curse words. I don't want somebody like that teaching. I don't think you do either. You don't want your children exposed to that. Well, see, in order to do that, we're going to have to separate ourselves and make sure that we're, living, we're, we're worshiping the Father in truth and in spirit. That doesn't mean that people that are here that have those problems, they're they're here and they're growing, okay? The Lord will deliver them from that. But we sure don't need to be putting them in a place of prominence where they're actually ministering to our kids or or to the congregation. We've got to be skillful with the things of God. So Jesus said, he, He said, God is a spirit. Look here, verse 24 God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. They must worship him in spirit and in truth. All right? Now let's look at another one here. Let's go to um, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, Jesus in verse 35 here, it says that Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, he that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes in me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that you also have seen me and believe in me. Let's drop down to verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying. I came not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, in order to do that, you, you... You've got to be submitted. What did James say? James said, Submit to, to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee. What is that? That's the ways of the Spirit. See, just because something is wrong doesn't necessarily mean now's the time to deal with it. You don't deal with it unless you hear from heaven. Even though what, what you see is wrong, you get, you, what's the Father saying to you? That's, what Jesus, that's how he operated. That's how Jesus operated. He didn't do anything unless he heard from heaven first. That was his ways. If his, look at the success Jesus had in his ministry. If he had success doing it that way, shouldn't we follow him? Didn't Paul come back and say in Ephesians 5, verse 1, Be ye imitators of God as dear children? In other words, do things how God does it. Jesus said, I can't do anything except I hear the Father. So he says, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, let's go on here. Because Jesus is about to, you know, he's got a lot of people that are following him, but he's about to have a whole bunch of people leave his ministry. Look at verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What's he talking about? Is he talking about cannibalism? But see, everybody that's around him, that's what they're thinking. What, 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 is, he, what is this guy saying? Eat his flesh and drink his blood? Verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, and they're dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now, see, we know, we know he's talking about things of the spirit, right? Right? We know that. But put yourself back 2,000 years ago when he's saying this. You're sitting there hearing this guy say, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you don't have no part in me. And you don't have eternal life. (coughs) What? This guy's speaking blasphemies and heresy and it's perverted what he's saying. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. Verse 59, these things said he to, in, in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now he's in church teaching this stuff. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Because he knew the the ones who were listening, he said, does this offend you, what I just said? Look here. Now he's about to explain things. It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the very beginning who they were that believed not and who who should betray him. He's talking about something spiritual. Not something of the flesh. He's talking about a spirit. The true worshipers are those that will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Not pay attention to the fleshly things. But they were so fleshly, that's all they could see. That's all they could see. They could just see the fleshly things. What he's talking about, they, they were thinking he's talking about cutting his himself and bleeding and... No, no, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about that. He's talking about the things of the Spirit. And that goes on to, to when, when he gave communion, he said, he said, he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Right? He didn't say this represents my body. He didn't. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat. The bread does not become his body. The cracker does not become his body. The cracker, by faith, by faith, it is his body. All right? And what did Paul learn from Jesus? Because Jesus told Paul, many in the body of Christ are sick. They're weak and they're dead because they don't discern the Lord's body. What does His body do for you? By His stripes, for one thing, you're healed. Right? He became poor that you and I might be what? Wealthy. Right? You got the mind of Christ. Why? Because the body. Because when I partake of that bread, all right, that is His body. Now, his body is part of my body, right? And if everything that was in his body is in me now, I'm a joint heir. You know, it, it, I, like, uh, I like what um, Brother Dwayne Norman says. He said, it's, it's like going out to, um, and he'll be with us in March, and we're going to have him for a Saturday night and Sunday morning service. Um, it's it's like going out here to to Dairy Queen and getting a big hamburger and bringing it in and say, hey, Pastor, do you you want that hamburger? And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, thank you for that hamburger. I'll go ahead and eat it. And I, I eat it. And then a little while later, you come back and say, Pastor, did you did you eat that hamburger? Yeah, I already ate. Why why are you asking me? Because, well, because I wanted it. I'm I'm really hungry too. Well, I'm sorry. It's it's now in it's in me. It's part of me. I I can't give it back to you. It's part of me. So everything that was in that hamburger is now part of me. Everything that's in that bread, which is the body of Christ, when you partake of it, is now in you. There's healing in that bread. It doesn't become the body, it is by faith, it is the body. We're not talking about, there's a certain denomination out there that they believe that that bread is literally Jesus' body. It's not. We're not talking about literally, it literally being his, his body. It is His body. By faith, it's His body. When you take of it, you partake of His body. Everything that's in there. Same thing for the blood. What's the blood do? It washes you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Everything. Go to um first John. First John, I want to read from the Amplified. This is what I'm saying about your relationship with the Father is so important. That's why you need to spend time working on that relationship and increasing that relationship. Because it's the most important valuable thing that you have on earth. When your relationship with heaven, with the Father is right, every relationship here on earth will straighten out. You got a problem with your spouse? No, you got a problem with your relationship with the Father. You talk about somebody at work, you got a problem with people at work? No, you got a problem with your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Got a problem with a neighbor? No, you don't have a problem with a neighbor. You have a problem with your relationship. Any problem you got in your life, it's there because of the relationship. It's a problem. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you, the reason why you got the problem is but you probably already know why you got the problem. Because something that God's been dealing with you with and you refuse to listen. You refuse to admit it. it could possibly be you. It's got to be somebody else. It's us, because when we change, we have that effect to change the whole atmosphere around us. I mean, you'll you'll see people that are that are living in the world sinners. All of a sudden, they change. Why is that? It's because the power of God that you're letting to flow out of you is flowing and it's having an effect on the atmosphere around you and changing people changing how you look at people changing how you see circumstances changing how situations in your life that you thought were bad that that you could actually see now God's moving, he's doing something there instead of crying out, oh God help me, help me, help me, he's saying can't you see I'm trying to help you but you keep blocking me by telling me that I'm not helping you First John, you there? Amen. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version because this really, really stresses the importance. Verse three. What we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you, so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and with His Son, Christ the Messiah. The distinguishing mark of a Christian is their fellowship with the Father. See, you can go up, to, you can find out where somebody's at that they call themselves a Christian. What's the Father telling you lately? Huh? What's the Father saying to you? What? What's your Heavenly Father talking to you about? I I don't know what you're talking about. It's a problem. A distinguishing mark of, of a Christian is they have fellowship with the Father. If you don't have fellowship, if the Father's not telling you something... It's not what you're telling him. Your fellowship with with the father should be 95% him talking and 5% of you talking. If it's the other way around, that's the problem. Parents know what I'm talking about. you got kids, and all they want to do is tell you what they want. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And you get tired of hearing it after a while. Why? Because... It's not that you don't want them to have it, but it's a sign of what? Immaturity. And I mean, you've even tried tell them, look, you're not old enough to handle it. Oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I can handle it. I, I can do it. No, your attitude tells me you can't. <laughs> you may you may be capable of attempting to do it, but it's going to blow up in your face if I let you do it. Same thing happens with the Father. So until you get that fellowship with the fire right, and nothing's going to change because it's the ways of, of heaven. It's how Jesus operated. Jesus goes to the pools of Siloam. All right? Now, one of the reasons why Jesus went to the pools of Siloam was because his grandparents on Joseph's side live very close by there. So he's on his way over to see them one day, and he's going through the pool of Siloam. And there's a man there at the pool. Now, if you read the story, there's a lot of other people there too. And Jesus says to this man, one man, one man, will you be healed today? And the man says, well, every time I get up to go into the pool when the angel comes down from heaven and stirs the water, by the time I get there, somebody else beats me there. See, because what was happening? There was a miracle. A certain time of the day or or the week, an angel from heaven would come down, and stir up the waters so and the first one in got got healed. So the man was saying Yeah, if somebody could help me to get down there so when it happens I get in, I'll be the first. Yeah. Jesus says to him, Pick up your cloak. Pick up your bed and go home. You're healed. And the man picks up his his bed and goes home healed. <coughs> Only one person. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people there that day that need healing. Yeah. There's lots of people there that need a healing. But one person was Jesus sent to by the Father. Why? Because he was open to being healed that day. In his mind, he just had it stuck... If I could be the first one, I know I'll get healed. I know I will. Everybody else, their hearts weren't right. When Jesus said to him, rise up and walk, he did what he was told. The others, Jesus could have said that, and they would say, well, hold it. I don't feel healed. I still feel like I'm sick. That's why why the Father said, don't even waste your time with them." They were there. They needed. They needed healing. But they didn't receive it. Why? Their hearts weren't right. They weren't paying attention. So the Father told them there's one guy here. Go and minister to him. One man. Now Jesus' flesh had to look around and say, man, there's lots of people they, they need. They need the power of God in their lives. but he only ministered to one. How your heart is set will make a big difference. How your heart is set. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Let's look at this one here. Y'all okay? Okay? Hallelujah. You getting something? All right, we're going to see some more here. You know, when Jesus went to his own hometown, he went there with the intention of being able to minister to a lot of people. But it said because... Their tradition made the Word of God of no effect. He wasn't able to to do any works, except he healed a few sick folk. There was a few, you know, three or four people that maybe he had colds, you know, a little something, maybe some aches and pains, and he ministered to them. He couldn't do any any miracles. He, He couldn't because they had made the Word of God of no effect by their tradition. They were so wrapped up in, unless we see this, or unless it's done this way, um, we're not going to listen to you. You see, that'll get you in trouble. Luke chapter 5, you there? Let's pick it up in verse 17. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day, speaking of Jesus, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So where's he at? He's teaching. There's Pharisees' presence. There's doctors of the law. And they've come out from every area of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Look at this last part. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18, And behold, men brought in a man, a bed, a man in a bed, which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they were upon the housetop. And they let him down through the tiling with his, cu- his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now look here, verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? Verse 22, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, what reason you in your hearts whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven or say rise up and walk. But you may know that the son of man has power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto you arise, take up your couch and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up wherein he lay and departed his, to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Again, one man gets healed. The power of God was present to heal all. But only one man got healed. Why? Because they had their tradition. They had to. Well, it, you know, it's got to be done this way. As they lowered the man down from the ceiling, they see Jesus. It says he saw that his faith. What was happening? The father was revealing it to him. And the father said to him, "He's bound up in his sins. That's what's got him. That's what's got him in the bed." He's bound up in his sins. He's, here's, what, here's, here's how you have to see this. That man thought that the reason why he was paralyzed was because of his sins. Well, I'm getting what I deserve. That's the reason why I'm bedridden like this. I'm getting what I deserve. But see, you don't want, what, you don't want to get what you deserve. You want what heaven's offering you. Heaven's offering him deliverance, healing. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Rise up, take your your couch and go home. The man knew when Jesus said those words, that's exactly what's been going on in my life. I have not forgiven myself because of things that I did. We don't know what they were. Doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. But what it was strong enough to get that guy thinking, he's paralyzed because of what he did. And when Jesus said, your sins, they're forgiven. He knew in his heart, his spirit, I'm getting up. I'm not bound to this. Jesus couldn't do anything until he saw the Father or he heard Him, it didn't matter the needs of the people. The woman with the issue of blood—remember that story? I, I preach more on this woman than anybody. I'm, I want to see. When I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus first. She's in the top five. It says she's lost all of her money. Been to all the physicians; nobody could do anything for her she finds out that Jesus is coming to town. Now, she's got some scripture in her. Because she knows in Malachi, in the last chapter of Malachi, it says that when the Messiah comes, he'll have healing in his wings. That's what it says in Malachi. The wings that is referred to there is the prayer shawl, the shah of a rabbi, and has these, at the bottom, what they call tallits. Well, those tallits are also called wings. So as she sees Jesus, she's saying to herself, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. It's in her. She knows it, because everything she's heard and studied, and this man comes to town, she says, that's the Messiah. I know he's the Messiah. When I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. So she, it says she pressed in through the people. There were throngs of people, thousands and thousands of people, clamoring for Jesus. And she comes up to him, and I believe she. if you, we were there, we'd see her crawling on the ground under between people's legs to get to him, because there's no way. You can't just say, excuse me, excuse me, i got to see Jesus. Well we will see Jesus too, woman. Yeah, but I'm sick. We are too. Get in line. No, no, no. She's like, no, I am going to see him. She's crawling, standing up, crawling, standing up. What does she got to do? She got an issue with blood for one thing. If they knew if, if they knew she had an issue with blood, they would have stoned her right there. It was illegal for her to be out on the streets. Illegal. Against the law. She would have been stoned immediately. She touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? And his disciples look at him and oh No, no, no. No. Master, there's thousands of people. Everybody's touching you here. What in the world are you talking about? He said, No, somebody touched me. I felt power go out of me. Somebody tapped in to me, and I felt power leave me. And about that woman, that time the woman stands up. Now you gotta understand the whole scenario. Jairus is there with Jesus; his daughter's dying, and he's come to get Jesus to come and pray for his daughter so that she doesn't die. So you gotta see. Here's Jairus okay, master, come on, let's go. We we just got to go over here around the corner and we'll be at my place and you can minister to my daughter who's dying. And all of a sudden this woman comes up and touches him and goes, who touched me? Oh no, something else is stopping the, the Messiah. Gosh, we're 20 feet from my house, 20 feet. She stands up and she says, I touched you. I touched you. He says, woman, your faith has made you whole. And it says from the very moment, the issue of blood ceased. But you've got to listen to what Jesus said. Your faith has made you whole. Now, if you look at it in the natural, it cost her a lot to get there. It cost her time. She has no money because she gave it all to the physicians and they couldn't heal her. She's broke. Or near broke. But Jesus said your faith made you whole. He didn't say your faith healed your body. The rest of your life's a mess. Because you lost everything. No, that's not what he said. What happens is the rest of the story is as the woman went, things started coming back to her that she lost. Finances, time, maybe homes. God supernaturally moves in her life because of what? Because of faith. And there's thousands of people thronging Jesus that day. And two people get ministered to the woman with the issue of blood in Jairus. Because right after that happens, they come and say, trouble the master no more, your, your daughter's dead. And Jesus spins around to Jairus and says, fear not, only believe. Don't let fear get in. Because see, fear cannot operate. And fear and faith, they can't. Remember when Peter sees Jesus on the boat, on the, on the water, walking on the water? Remember that story? Jesus is walking out on the water, and Peter sees him and says, Hey, hey, master, if that's you, call me. What's Jesus going to say? The question was if it's me or not. He didn't say, Can I walk on the water? He said, If it's you, call me to come to you. He said, It's come on, Peter, come on. Peter gets out and he and he says, He's walking on the water. He's walking on the water. And then all of a sudden, the waves start coming up and getting boisterous. And when that happened, it said Peter noticed the waves and he begins to sink. How do you begin to sink on water? I've jumped off a, ju- a diving board into the water. I didn't begin to go into the water. Just went in. Peter had faith. He didn't even know he was operating in faith. But he had it because he said, if that's you call me, I'll come to you. Come on. And as he comes out, he's, he, he sees, he takes his focus off Jesus and he begins to look at the water and sees that it's moving and there's waves and he begins to sing. He says, Master! And Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Pulled him back up. But here's the rest. They get in the boat and as soon as they get in the boat, it stopped. The wave stopped. When you're operating in faith, And you're believing God. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, many of my people are using their faith to get what I have for them, but they quit at the last minute and they don't receive what I have because they take their focus off me. Because the enemy comes to steal the word that was sown into them, just like it was sown into Peter. Now, Peter's the only disciple that got out of the boat. The others are sitting in the boat. They're not doing anything. you got to make up your mind. Are you going to be a boat sitter or a water walker? I'm getting out of the boat. You've got to say, I'm, I'm getting out of the boat. Whatever, whatever that boat is in your life that's separating you from the Lord, you do have to step out of it and say, okay, I'm a believer. I'm believing. Amen? I'm believing God for everything. I'm believing God for everything. Hallelujah. 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 Got time for one more scripture. Go to Acts 16. Acts 16, we're closing. I know it's a dangerous thing for a preacher to say we're closing. You know, that can take a long time. Acts 16. See, you've got to listen to the Father. You've got to hear the Father say things. You've got to see him say things. That's how Jesus operated. Even though there was thousands of people that with the woman of the issue of blood that needed healing, he didn't minister to her. Why? Right, because the Father didn't show him that. The Father showed him two people, this woman with the issue of blood and his daughter. And he went there, and by the way, he, he raised her from the dead. Acts 16, verse 16. It says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, this is Paul and his disciples, possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, would show us the way of salvation. Is what she's saying true? It is true, isn't it? These are the men that show us the ways of God's salvation. But see, something in the way she was saying it. All right? There's something in the way that she's saying these things. And it said, verse 18, And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that same hour. Many days. Why didn't he turn the very first time when she said that and said, come out of her? He hadn't heard from heaven. It says many days. Why not the second day? Why didn't He do it the second day? Why not the third? Why was it many days? Finally, there's a time where the Father spoke to Him and said, command that to come out of her. And then He turns and says, come out of her in the name of Jesus. Because see, there's things that she's saying. The way she's saying it is not sounding right. What she's saying is true. But she may have had some type of demonic voice that made it just kind of grate on your nerves. These are the men of God who preached the gospel of salvation on us! Okay? Now imagine you know, putting up with that for a few days. What well, she's saying is true, but... It, so many right here. So Paul's waiting. Waiting for what? Heaven. Father. Show me what to do. Show me what to do. These are the ways of the Spirit. Not everything has to be done right then and there. Did the Father tell you to do anything? No. You know it's, it's wrong biblically. Yes, we know it's wrong biblically. But there's timing is everything. Timing is everything. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be quiet. There's a time to worship. So we see that Paul finally hears from heaven, commands it to come out of her. And he comes out. Another one in closing. Paul's on the on a ship. Remember? In the book of Acts, he's on this ship and they're set sailing out to sea. At the beginning of the trip, Paul tells him, You don't want to do this. You wanna stay here. Well, the crew and everything says, No, no, we're we're gonna keep our schedule. We're leaving. So they get out, and it says a a great storm came upon them. So much, they were out out in the ocean for days and days and days and days. And finally, they they got rid of everything on the ship, everything. Now, this ship is a big ship for that day. Monetarily-wise, it's probably worth millions of dollars in today's money. Even though it wasn't millions of dollars back then, because of what it carried. They they pitched everything overboard. They got rid of it. Paul stands up and says, An angel of God stood before me and says, Be of good cheer. You should have listened to me in the beginning. But if you listen to me now, no one will lose their lives. That's what Paul said. You should have listened to me in the beginning. In other words, he said, I told you so. But if everyone stays on this ship, no one will lose their life. The ship's going to be destroyed. But everyone will get off here. And they, and they did. And they got off. Why did it take so long? Because of their disobedience. If they'd have listened in the beginning, they would have never lost anything. But because they wouldn't listen in the beginning... They lost the ship. They lost the merchandise on the ship. But they didn't lose their lives. Hearing from heaven. Glory to God. Did you get something today? Well, as you go and you spend Christmas with your families and families-in-laws and things like that, just remember, listen to heaven. Listen to the Father. Listen to the Lord. Hear what the Lord has to say. Just because it's not right doesn't mean now is the time to take care of it. What's the Father telling you? So you've got to have to learn these things. We, and we not only have to learn them, we need to become skillful at them. Because lives will be impacted. Your life will be impacted as you become skillful. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Press in, don't 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 be discouraged because see a lot of times what the Lord was saying is people are standing in faith and believing, and the devil is discouraging you. And a lot of times he's he's thrown the last attack, and he's turned around and walked away, and people quit. Not even know if they just pressed in a little bit farther, they would they would walk into the things that God has for them. They would receive their miracle. You can't quit. You can't quit. You can't quit. Right, Mary? You can't quit. She's been with me since week two of the ministry. Week two of the ministry. She's been faithful. I won't tell you how how old she is. She's 39. (laughs) 39 years old. She's hanging in there. Praise God. She's increasing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.